All right, award-winning TMG podcast in three, two. Hello, everybody. This is Tony Barnhart, and welcome back to the weekly TMG podcast as we wind up the college football regular season. we got so much on our plate today. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, APBA, APBA, the Unchallenged King of Realistic, High-Quality Sports Simulation Products. Mr. Blauschen is a consumer of that product. We also want to thank David at Revelation Studios in lovely Manfield, Texas. All right, let's see. We got we got some weather in parts of our uh, parts of our, our gang here. We'll talk about that. But let's first start in lovely Situate Mass, where Mark Blauschen, you are due to have some snow, are you not? I believe me and the Jersey guys are going to get some snow while you guys in the south and the, and the Midwest are, are going to be basking in the sunlight, I guess. So we'll see. All right. All right. So Herb Gould in Chicago tells me he's going to be golfing weather there. Maybe may, maybe for him, but uh, for wimps like me, it's not. Herb Gould, how are things in Chicago today? We are good, but uh, you know, I might have been uh, stretching a bit. The, the weather forecast was a little optimistic for golf, but we're not we're not digging out any snow yet. All right. And on New, in New Jersey, where Mr. Tom Lucci is expecting, what are they telling you, Tom? At least a foot, foot uh, and a half? This nor'easter is going to be a, a saying is will be a blizzard. So anywhere between eight and two feet, eight inches and two feet. Oh, my so, goodness. And yeah. I, assume, I assume New York City is going to get hammered as well. So uh, It looks that way, yeah. That could be uh, – it depends on where the storm corridor is, but they could be getting eight to 12 inches. Well, thankfully, all this bad weather is not impacting the award-winning TMG podcast as we get to uh, the games of December 19th championship Saturday. It's hard to believe that we're here, and particularly in the summer when they told us we might not get here. But let's start. First of all, it is championship Saturday. We've got a situation where these championship games, a bunch of them are going to impact the college football playoff. We got the next to last set of rankings on Tuesday night. Eh, it looks pretty clear, but let's guys, let's start there. Let's start there, and we'll t- we'll talk about how the conference championship games are going to impact the CFP. But let's start. Let's start first with the latest CFP rankings, and let, let's agree on some things if we can. Alabama is ten and zero, still ranked number one. Oh, by the way, the, the top five teams in the CFP rankings remain the same for the fourth consecutive week. Uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, or Ohio State. Alabama is number one playing Florida in the SEC championship game. I want to go around the table real quick. Uh, Alabama is in the playoff whether or not they lose to Florida. Mark Blashen? Yes, without question. I mean, uh, yeah, I, mean I, I guess uh, – 99.9%. Obviously, we have a 52 to nothing Florida win. Well, I'm thinking we'll think about it. But other than that, no, they're in regardless. Herb Gould, the team that you follow a lot, Notre Dame, plays Clemson, a rematch with Clemson in the ACC championship game in Charlotte. When you look at what Notre Dame has done this year, they beat Clemson 47-40 to without their quarterback, without Clemson's quarterback being there, Trevor Lawrence. So this is the rematch. Notre Dame has beaten Clemson, had a very impressive win over North Carolina, given what North Carolina has done. Herb Gould, I will ask you, is Notre Dame in the playoff, win or lose? 
Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, actually, no question in my mind. I mean, if there's a blowout loss, you know, to Clemson, maybe. But even then, I, you know, I Notre Dame is in. And, and I also wonder if Clemson could stay in with a, a close loss to Notre Dame. And uh, if the standings hold set up. A third Notre Dame Clemson match, but I'll leave that on the table for later, Tony. All right, we will we will get to that in just a little bit. Uh, Clemson and Notre Dame in Charlotte, two hours from the Clemson campus. Uh, I'll ask you, Tom Lucci, does Clemson have to win this game to get into the playoffs? Um, I, I think they do, only because of the way. Other teams are seem to be encroaching on them in the, in the rankings. And and let me add this, Tony, as I wrote on Sunday, uh, we really should call this what it is. It's not the college football playoff rankings. It's the power five football playoff rankings. Sure. And I, I think and as long as we accept that, then I have no problem with Cincinnati, no problem with Florida staying where they are, no problem with Coastal being uh, five, six spots behind Iowa State. I have no problem. As long as we acknowledge that, we're all good to start with. Secondly, we should probably call this playoff the way it's currently structured, an invitational, because that's what it is. It's not. It's not. It's not a playoff. It's an invitational. They're going to invite four Power Five teams, and that's going to be it. And we have to accept that. But to get back to the original question, I I don't know that Clemson's done enough. Uh, you know, if they don't, if they don't, they beat Miami, and that that loss, that win has been diminished. Yeah. You know, and if they lose a second time to Notre Dame, this time with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not sure the way the rankings are that Texas A&M or Iowa State doesn't have a, a better argument, assuming both win, assuming Ohio, Iowa State uh, wins the Big 12 championship. Well, I think Clemson's in if they win, obviously, the ACC champions. I do not see them getting in with two losses, but we will uh, we will get along with that. Well, let's, Luke, since you brought it up, let's go ahead, ahead and, and raise the issue. Coastal Carolina sitting there at 11 and up. They're number, they're number 12. Uh, Cincinnati, who hadn't played in about a year, they dropped yet again. They, they have gone from seven to eight to nine without playing a game. That that's not easy to do. But they've they had have practices on it. They've had some bad practices. I, I guess so. I guess they've got it in practice. But yeah, isn't guys in a situation? If you're not going to put Coastal or Cincinnati into the at least in the discussion this year, when is a Group of Five team ever going to get a shot? Mark Blasen. You have spoken a lot with Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. He's very passionate about this. But, hey, if, if Cincinnati can't get in, if Coastal can't in, what, Mark, when are they ever going to get in? Well, I, I think this, this year they're hurt, they're hurt by, the, by having non-conference games uh, canceled. Like if Cincinnati had played Ohio State and say a competitive game, which they didn't do, didn't do last year, then I think Cincinnati would have more respect you know, uh, even with one loss, I mean, but but when you don't have any uh, non-conference wins against you know uh, power five conference teams, and and then you pay a curtailed schedule, it's a, it's a tough load to haul. And each, you know, in Coastal Carolina, I mean, those schools have almost no chance. I mean, they're 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 if they get a New Year's Day, a New Year's Six game, they're happy. I think. Well, it's it to to me, it's it's really interesting. I mean, a team like Coastal is a great great story. But uh, and for them to play BYU the way that they did, they pulled a couple of games out of the fire. It would be it would be really really neat if they could get into the discussion. Tony, let's ask you something as an SEC guy. Your yes. thoughts on Florida dropping just one spot after that bad home loss to unranked uh, sub five hundred LSU? 
Totally ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. But, I, Luch, I can tell you why they did it. They did it because the committee, for whatever reason, likes Georgia. Uh, Georgia has Georgia has been the highest ranked until this week. They were the, one of the highest ranked two loss teams. Right. Uh, and they wanted to keep – but they had to keep Florida ahead of Georgia. So in order to – pull Florida down, they would have had to drop Georgia. They didn't, they didn't want to do that. They want, they wanted Georgia to be ahead of Cincinnati, but no, of course it's absurd. I mean, Florida, Florida just gave away a potential chance to play for the national championship in that game. And they lost at home to a 23 point underdog. Okay. And it's just absurd. No, to answer your question, I thought it was absurd that Florida was sitting there and only dropped one spot. You know, the other the other part about that, Tony, is I think that it feeds into the conspiracy theory. I, I don't like to go with conspiracy theories, but dropping Cincinnati for not playing, you know, and yet, you know, they, they didn't let Cincinnati go ahead of those, Florida and Georgia because then you're opening that that controversial oh, yeah. door to whether Cincinnati should be in the final four. Uh, and, you know, it goes to Tom's point that group of five teams really don't have a chance in a four team playoff. And and we, we just need to get to that eight team playoff so that we can see a Cincinnati and a Coastal Carolina in the in the in the playoff rather than the invitational. Yeah, I, I think one other thing, Tony, to add to this, um, I, I think the the rankings are being set up so that Iowa State with a win over number ten Oklahoma is sitting there as a legitimate team for them to fall back mm-hmm. on if the scenario turns out that we're talking about Clemson loses or Ohio State loses, you know, I think they will jump Texas A&M. I, I believe A&M's game was canceled, right? Uh, A&M was playing Tennessee on Saturday. That, and as far as I know, uh, that game is still on. The game okay. that they lost was the week before when they right. were scheduled to play Ole Miss. Ole, Ole that Miss. game but that game got canceled. I'm not sure a win over Tennessee, sub-500, does enough for A&M versus a win by Iowa State over number 10 Oklahoma. And what I'm saying is I think it's best for us to have a, a fallback team. And, and I think Iowa State now, judging by where they are, is that fallback team. I, uh, and we're talking about the Iowa State team now. The Iowa State team deserves a lot of credit. They, uh, they beat uh, Texas. They beat Oklahoma. Uh, in the same season, their only loss in the conference is to uh, Oklahoma State. But there's this, yeah, but there's this nagging little fact that gets in the way of Iowa State is that in the opening week they lost to Louisiana or Louisiana Lafayette, and not only did they lose to Louisiana Lafayette in the second half. Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, are kicking Iowa State's butt up and down the field. It was a dominating play. But, it was, but but th- it was so long ago. You know, no, no, I, that's right. I, I mean, I, I just think that this is why we need to get to a point where conference champions advance. Because, yeah, they looked bad in that game. And I think, if I recall right, it was exacerbated by some really horrible special teams play by Iowa State. But you know that that was a lifetime ago in terms of, especially in terms of this season you know i think there's branding involved here you know when that which is yes. another part about that florida when florida loses badly to lsu it's it's more of a grain of salt and if they had lost that badly to vanderbilt or or, or arkansas i don't i don't know that they that the committee would have been able to hold them so you know perception is a big thing in well, in, in this deal <laughs> Here's I, the, 
here's what's not fair this year is that Ohio State and USC, for example, don't have the chance for those screw ups. You know, they only yeah. played five games. So, I mean, are we rewarding a team for playing 10 games or are we not rewarding a team for playing five games? It just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason, which is what exasperates me. Well, both Dabo Sweeney and Dan Mullen brought it up. Dan Mullen brought it up, of course, after his game. He said, well, maybe we should be playing fewer games. And uh, you know, the, the, the ACC took care of Clemson and Notre Dame to make sure it didn't happen. The SEC went ahead and played their makeup games as scheduled last week. One team won and one team lost. And so Alabama won big, of course, and uh, Florida lost. And so that is th- that is the I agree with Lucci in this pers- perspective. I think the committee said, you know what, we, we got to get the Big 12 champion somewhere within shouting distance of this, okay? Because we know what we're going to do to the Pac-12, all right? The Pac-12 can't sniff it. They're not going to get anywhere close to this thing. Uh, and, of course, USC's at 13 going into the Pac-12 championship game. So I think that I think that's what happened. All right, let's, let's go to the 600-pound Buckeye sitting in the room, okay? And it's, and it's, it's this. Are we still – I will say this, Herb. I've ch- I've changed my mind on this. I don't think Ohio State belongs in. I I just don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't believe they belong in. I, I I've just gotten to the point now where you look around, you look at the the games that other people have played, and putting them in that situation. So I'll I'll go on. Re- I I know I'm in the minority on this, but I, I don't think Ohio State belongs in. And I put and now, if Texas A&M were to win and win convincingly, I would absolutely consider them. But I just don't know about Ohio State. So, Mark, I'll start with you, Herb. You're in Big Ten country. Ohio State gets in if they win, right? Yeah. And, you know, Tony, I mean, I understand where you're coming from on on quality of team. I just go back to what I think is this is a national tournament. And I think that if you win your league, that should count for something. And even though – and this is such a strange year that we can't really evaluate things in the normal – type of way. I mean, I could say, well, you know what? A&M had their chance against Alabama. Are we going to have another Alabama A&M game? I mean, I don't, you know, you, you could, I could see it either way. I just think that if Ohio State wins out and doesn't get in, and, and, and this is also about that Iowa State situation, it just goes to your definition of this event. Is it, is it the best four teams or is it a national tournament? You know, I don't even, you know, best board is most deserving. I don't even know how to do that. But, but if it's a national tournament, it should be as a broad-based representation. And, and I, I like that, you know, if it can be done, I, I prefer that. Mark Blaschen, isn't part of this discussion the fact that if Ohio State does not get in, at 6-0 and and as conference champions, three of the five power conferences will not be represented in this playoff. Absolutely, without, without question. That's always been a factor. And, 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 and we've always said, I think, that if, if the only way that, that, it will, that the movement to go to eight teams will pick up any, any juice is if someone from the, from the SEC or the Big Ten gets left out of the, of the process because they've been perceived as the power. They're, for the last 20 years, they, they, they've, they've, driven the, they've driven the bus. I mean, Delaney and, and Mike Slive and, you know, and, and, and now Sankey have, have driven the bus in, in terms of which direction they're going in. 
But getting back to the Ohio State issue, here's where I disagree with you, Tony, and and, and, and I understand what Lucy says and what Herb says. Ohio State, I mean, yeah, they've only played five games, but 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 here's what bothers me, and I think what the committee, which has ex-football coaches on the committee, and, and, and our buddy Steve Weberg, who's on the committee for four years, said that the ex-coaches have a big voice in, in that, the mm-hmm. loudest voice in that room, because they say, okay, let's let's look at let's do, let's do the eye test. When you when you go to the eye test and you compare Texas A and M and Ohio State on their best days this season, this season, Ohio State wins every time. I mean, even even when A and M has never had a chance to blow anybody away, when Ohio State beats quite a bad team, it beats bad teams bad, easily. Or easily <coughs> you know, so, well, I think that's a factor in there, what's going to happen with Ohio State. Yep. Yep, uh, I, I get it. I get it. And I think that's why, while I may disagree with it, I, I do believe Ohio State gets in uh, at 6-0. and oh. All right, so let's, let's, let's review. Let's review. Let's see if we all are in agreement on this. All right. Alabama, when Alabama is in. Notre Dame is in. Clemson with a win is in. Ohio State with a win is in. Right? I agree. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So. And the door is only cracked if Clemson, if uh, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, and if Notre if Notre Dame beats Clemson, does that does that open the door? If Notre Dame beats Clemson, it's Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and now we've got to argue over number four. In that scenario, Alabama, Notre Dame. Are in. Ohio State is in. Clemson is out. Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Who's number four, uh, Herb Gould? Well, you know, when you look at it, I mean, AM certainly is sitting there at number five. And, and how do they get jumped? You know, a two loss Ohio, uh, Iowa State, you know, I mean, we're, then we're talking about two loss teams, Clemson or Iowa State, in my mind. And I think that's hard to do. Uh, you know, everything that the committee's done over time tells me that the one loss team beats the two loss team and then I think AM is going to be the fourth. What about that Tom Lucci? You could does, does Texas AM let's say a Texas AM beats Tennessee solidly. Right. And Iowa State beats Oklahoma and they're the big 12 champion. Do you put in an Iowa State at uh, not Iowa State would be 92 would have right. wins over Oklahoma and Texas. They would two be the big, big t- yeah. two wins over Oklahoma, correct? And uh, would be the Big Twelve champions for the first. I think this would be their first Big Twelve championship. If I'm not mistaken. That's uh, correct. Would that be enough for them to jump over Texas A&M, whose only loss is to Alabama? Well, I, I think Tony, two things come into play here. We've stressed the importance of being a conference champion at least in most of our conversations we have, we have, and Iowa state would be a conference champion. Uh, that has to carry some weight. The fact that they would have three wins over top 20 teams, uh, one, the most recent being over number 10, Oklahoma. I think that carries some weight. My other concern about Texas A&M is who have they beaten besides Florida? A, a win that's diminished now with Florida's second loss, probably going on a third loss. Uh, so if I were to weigh those factors, I'd go with Iowa state. Uh, again, because they have conference championship, the hot team, three top 20s. Uh, and, and the other thing is, too, I think it has to play at least subconsciously in the room, you know, with the committee. We'll get another Power Five conference 
Yep, you know, I, I, as as we said earlier, I think that is a factor. You ask about Texas A&M's schedule, their wins are over. Vanderbilt, Florida, which of course has been diminished. Mississippi right. State, losing record. Arkansas, losing record. South Carolina, losing record. LSU, losing record. Auburn, six and four. That's mm-hmm. it. So that is and an absolute. not going to help them, Tony, this week. No, no. That's it's, not going to add to their credentials. So that's it's not. not. Pretty I think that, State can help itself tremendously with a win over number ten Oklahoma. Their 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 resume would be superior to Texas A and M. And as Herb Gould said, it was a million years ago that they lost to <laughs> Louisiana Lafayette. So, uh, looking a little bit in the rest of the selection committee rankings, uh, can Coast, Coastal Carolina, of course, is playing for the Sun Belt Championship. Right. Cincinnati, of course, is playing against Tulsa for the American Athletic Conference champion. Can Mark Blaston, I'll ask you this. What they're they're not playing for a spot in the playoffs. We understand that. But what they are playing for is the highest ranked group of five champion is going to get uh, a bid in the New Year's Day six. I've heard Cincinnati playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl a bunch. So the question is I'll start with you, Herb. If 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 Cincinnati takes care of Tulsa, are they are they, do they get that spot or can Coastal Carolina do enough against Louisiana Lafayette to jump them again? Cincinnati's nine, Coastal Carolina's twelve. I don't think so. I mean, just as we look at it, I mean Cincinnati having the you know three slot advantage in the playoffs that tells you a lot about what the committee thinks. Also, Coastal Carolina. I mean, branding matters. I mean, we've talked about that. You know, if, if you lose to LSU, it's it's better than losing to to uh, Arkansas or Vanderbilt. If if you're Coastal Carolina, you don't have as much branding as Cincinnati, and you know that's a that's a stronger, better known conference. You know, it, Coastal Carolina is a wonderful feel good story, and but yet I don't I don't see them jumping Cincinnati for a uh, New Year's Six slot at all. Do you buy you buy that, Mark Blaston? Does does the branding of the AAC ultimately yes. help Cincinnati get yes. that spot? Yeah, I, I think Coastal Carolina is. is I mean, uh, you know, if, if they get up, I think Coastal Carolina needs to root hard for Tulsa to, to beat Cincinnati. Then, yeah, then, exactly. Then we're talking. Exactly. 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 All right, guys. I want to touch on a few headlines uh, before we get out of here today. And uh, obviously, I've been wrong about a great many things uh, this fall no. season. <laughs> yeah, Lord, I, and one of the things I was really wrong about was that my belief that the coaching carousel would not spin as rapidly in this COVID crazy season. Well, no, uh, SEC has already fired three coaches, the latest of whom was Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn in his eighth year at Auburn. Uh, had a three and five record against Nick Saban, and nobody has a three and five record against Nick Saban. But for a lovely parting gift, uh, Coach Malzahn will be given $21 million, and half of it is due in 30 days. They got to write him a check for $10.8 million in less than 30 days. Tom Lucci, what, uh, what was your immediate reaction when, when Auburn fired Gus Malzahn? Um, I, I thought it was uh, 
I thought it was be careful what you wish for. Number one, I think we we've seen yep. that in places like Tennessee and uh, you know a couple other places that have kind of fallen on hard times after they fired a guy who was reached a certain level. Um, uh, probably Mark Rick would fall into that category, right? Oh yeah. You know? uh, although they've yep. been good, which is always good. So, but um, yeah, that was the first reaction. The second reaction is this is why there has to be a separation between the Power Fives and the rest. You know, there's no way Coastal Carolina yep. can spend $21 million to fire its head coach if it wants to, you know, it's just and, and pay up $10 million from 30 because they can't do it. And though there's a whole lot of schools in that situation, including a couple of power fives. But I'm just saying that to me, the immediate thing is this is why there's the haves and the have nots, which is the power fives and the group of fives. And, you know, they're going to need to be separated at some point. Vanderbilt hired Notre Dame assistant Clark Lee, a former Vanderbilt player. Herb, have you met Clark Lee? You I, I haven't. Yep. I, I haven't, but I'm well aware of his his resume. And uh, you know, I think that if he wants to do that, that's a and, and he obviously does because he took the job. That's a wonderful move. You know, maybe he can be the Pat Fitzgerald of Vanderbilt, given his background and and obviously he he's confident that he can do it that way. And he's young enough that if, you know, Vanderbilt is, as we know, not a, you know, very few survive from Vanderbilt. I mean, since uh, Franklin went to Penn State, uh, it's a tough job, but that's a great move for him. Uh, and, you know, he can, he's got, you know, he's got that, that name cachet there. And why not give it a try? He's a young guy. If it doesn't work out, then he can move on knowing that he tried to do something at, at a place that he feels very uh, partial to. Well, and here's here's the problem. Vanderbilt will never build Clark Lee a facility like Northwestern built for Pat Fitzgerald. And that's that that ultimately is going to be their issue. They will not invest in facilities they never have. And it's, it is a tough, tough out. Mark Blauschen, I got to admit that when Kevin Sumlin got fired uh, <laughs> and went to Arizona, I thought, yeah, that that sounds like a pretty good fit. I mean, you can win at Arizona. Dick Tomey did it for a long, long time. But Kevin Sumlin is shown the door after a routine, crowd-pleasing, 70-7 loss to Arizona State. What happened to Kevin Sumlin? That, that is a good question, Tony, and I agree with you. He, he was regarded as one of the hot coaches about five, six years ago when we were ready to go. I mean, his name was mentioned for games like jobs like Texas and 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 and, and Florida State. I mean, all those. But and then it, it's everything like everything else in the Pac-12. It's all part. That's all the twilight zone. And her entire league is a twilight zone. The scores come in late. They play Sunday mornings, Friday nights, uh, Saturday mornings. Uh, they 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 do their own thing. And 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 I, I have no idea. I mean, it's 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 a mystery thing. But you're right. I mean, he is he is uh, uh, one of the mystery figures of what what happened to him in, in terms of. Uh, where his coaching ability went if it was there. Yeah. Another topic I wanted to bring up, you know, guys, we dearly, dearly miss uh, our our friend and and colleague Chris Dufresne. And I, I and and as Christmas gets close, so I would hope that our listeners will keep uh, Sheila and their boys uh, in mind. But here, here here's why I wish Doof was with us today, because I wanted to. I would I say Doof. What the hell happened to the Pac-12? I mean, are you kidding me? And they got USC playing Oregon for the championship because Washington can't play, and three and two Oregon is playing in the other side. Luke, let me ask you this. From the get-go, Pac-12 has mismanaged this season. 
from yes, waiting, sir. waiting to get back in. They don't start until November because they're waiting. They shut it down. They were waiting on the Big Ten, and now all of a sudden they got a, they got one team. I mean, USC has done well at five and zero, but they haven't dominated anybody, and they're playing a three and two team. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on at the Pac twelve? Well, historians will look back at this, Tony, and say this is Exhibit A of how not to handle a football conference during a pandemic. That's the first thing. I mean, uh, if they want to play games at 9 a.m., it, it shows their total disregard, 9 a.m. local time, for their products. I mean, they, they put on Friday nights. Nobody can see it. The Pac-12 network is the only one I don't get, you know, uh, of all the, of the Power Five conferences. So it's just it's not how not to handle a pandemic. And and again, the, the whole thing, they should have gone to one division this year because of the situation. Yes. It was yes. no, there's no question about it. They would have had the two best teams play. And, and they could have salvaged some respectability out of this year. But their only hope is that uh, USC goes 6-0, wins the championship, and, and plays a decent uh, uh, bowl game. But otherwise, this has been a you – know, you know what they remind me of? They're almost like, not from an academic standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, they're like the Ivy League of the Power Five. You know, they just kind of march to their own drummer. They do their own thing. It's 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 apart from reality a little bit, and it's certainly apart from what the other four power conferences are doing. Right. Speaking of the West Coast, uh, last night, our friend Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, uh, felt the need to release a statement. There is discussions going. Gentlemen, there are discussions going on at a relatively high high level on whether or not the semifinal at the Rose Bowl will still be played in California. Uh, They have made a rule. The governor in the California has made a rule that says no fans can attend. The CFP has asked for an exception uh, uh, or the city of Pasadena has asked for an exception just to allow parents to come to the game at the Rose Bowl. And if the California does not budge off of this position, I think there will be a, a somewhat serious conversation about whether or not to play that game at the at, in Pasadena. Would you agree with that, Mark Blasen? Well, yeah, but the, the, well, as as we speak, that game is, is, is two weeks away. I mean, yep. they, I, I hope they make a, a decision pretty quickly. I, I think the compromise will be they've already said no fans in the stands, and if they let they let parents into the into 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 the Rose Bowl, I, I think that would be a compromise that. Uh, let's put it this way: if, if 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 they want an argument, just go to the governor of the state who last who had, uh, during the lockdown decided to have dinner with his friends at a, at a ritzy restaurant in, yeah. in in Sacramento area. So uh, I think we, there was exceptions to every rules here. Well, the question. Go ahead, Herb. I was just going to add when when I first read about that, I, I would say that I don't think that's a bad idea at all. You know, if if you want to move that football playoff over, I think they're talking about taking it to Jerry's World. Uh, in Texas, and then you're going to have a better experience for those two teams. Meanwhile, you get yourself an old-time Big Ten, Pac-12, Rose Bowl, and, you know, if they're not going to let family in, that's kind of a tough deal, but but I don't see that as a a huge development. In fact, I would I I wouldn't mind it at all, because you're, you're, you're not losing a whole lot with the Rose Bowl, because the Rose Bowl is just sort of unto itself, it doesn't need the playoff in many parts of the country to be an event that everybody watches. And so if you move the playoff game, it doesn't seem to be a big, huge deal to me. 
especially given all the the, the uh, rules that are in place in California. Right. Well, here here's the thing: what would television do? Because if you if you move, if you move the semifinal, if you move the semifinal uh, to the cotton to the Cotton Bowl to Jerry's World, you still want to play it on January one. Don't you? You want to play well, it in that? You want to play you know, it in that time? And the Rose Rose Bowl ain't moving off that time slot. You can take. You know that's that. that's a yeah. great question, Tony, and and that's one of the things that as we've had this discussion today, I keep thinking of. We're talking about you know the best case scenario, and we're not always talking about the politics and the television dollars. But that's a perfect example. I and I don't know what the answer is to that. They would have to figure that out. No, we shall see. We shall see. Well, gentlemen, before we go, this is just for fun. Somebody sent me this yesterday uh, with Auburn firing its coach. Uh, they will. They are getting ready to hire their fourth different coach since Nick Saban began his tenure at the University of Alabama in 2007. So you may ask, what have the rest of the teams in the Southeastern Conference done? In the, in the Saban era, these schools have five, hired these many coaches. Arkansas, five. Florida, four. Georgia, two. Kentucky, three. LSU, two. That's because Les Miles was there forever. Ole Miss, five. Mississippi State, four. Missouri, three. South Carolina, three. Tennessee, five. And they want to make it six. Texas A&M four and Vanderbilt five. That, that's a lot of unemployment caused by one guy, Tom Lucci. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, I know they have to measure themselves against Alabama, but do they really? I mean, is is you know is ten and one not good enough anymore at some of these SEC schools? I, I guess the answer is no. You know, apparently the answer is no. And I'm not saying that Auburn went ten and one, but. You know, Georgia has that capability. Florida does. And, you know, those Georgia, the guys, Mark Rick was in trouble for that. You know, I mentioned earlier, be careful what you wish for. To me, Texas is the example I was thinking of. You know, sure, Mac Brown a couple of down years, but what's happened since then, since they got rid of Matt? So I'm not sure that Alabama should be the be-all, end-all for everybody, just as I don't think Ohio State should be. In the Big Ten, I mean, for example, perfect example. There's nothing wrong with Rutgers going seven and five and getting a nice little ball game. There's absolutely nothing wrong. Now, I, I understand it's totally different than the SEC. I understand it's a religion. I get all that, but there's no reason to for, to me to believe that you know uh, a Mississippi or Mississippi State can't be happy with eight and four. And that's a pretty good record in that division and in that league. So that's the problem. The measuring stick is Alabama, and everybody wants to measure up to Alabama. And that is impossible as long as Nick Saban's there. Well, I'll tell you this. Somebody brought this up the other day. It's not going to happen. But if it did, it would be so much fun that Auburn would hire Lane Kiffin away from Ole Miss <laughs> at, at Auburn University. Lane, that would be so – the entertainment value of that would be so good. That would be so much fun. So much fun. All right. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. Uh, just to let everybody know that we will be back next week to look at the uh, – by then we'll have the college football playoff pairings. We'll talk about that. And uh, a very short offseason. Normally we have to wait a month before the playoffs start. Shoot. After we get the after we get the pairings on uh, Sunday, we got 13 days and we're going to play the playoffs. So that will be fun. All right. Before we go. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, APBA. 
the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. And again, we want to thank David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas. We could not do it without him. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. Stay safe. Uh, Blau, you and Luch, take careful. Get out your snow shovel, but don't hurt yourself, okay? All right. I'm not going to Tony. <laughs> good. Good for that. Good for you. Good for you. All right, folks, this is Tony Barnhart speaking for Mark Blauschen and uh, Herb Gould and Tom Lucci. Thank you for joining the TMG podcast. Stay safe and carry on.